Israel primarily, but they do have a secondary application for us as believers. Uh, tonight we're going to look at the Eighth Commandment, do not steal. Do not steal is this uh, uh, commandment. And uh, you see that in various forms in stores, right? Uh, maybe the sign says, uh, uh, you know, no shoplifting. I mean, like a lot of good that does. Or how about you break it and you what? You buy it. You bought it. You know, we see that kind of sign all the time. And, and we are, as believers, supposed to really respect the property, the personal property of other people. That's really what this uh, is all about. Of, co- of course, in our day and age, there's all kinds of scams, right? And they begin on the phone or the uh, cell phone. Somebody calls you and tells you you've, they, they have a check for you for $10,000. You know, you just have to give them your social security number and you can get your check. <laughs> Don't ever do that. Don't ever. We've had, we had a sister in the fellowship that lost about $30,000 about 10 years ago doing that. So sad. It's these people prey on the elderly. But scams, uh, uh, they're all around us. The gambling industry is another area that's designed to take what you have. I mean, how many in this room would raise their hand and say, when I go to San Manuel or Vegas or whatever, they're there to help me win money? How many would agree with that? Would you agree with that? Because if you do, you're the biggest sucker in the room. All of those things are designed to do what? Extract what from you? Money. money. And we see that over and over again. The thesaurus, Rogat's thesaurus, takes this word steal very interestingly and gives all these other words. Let me just give you a laundry list of words. Thieve, rob, purloin, pilfer, lift, Carry off, abduct, walk off, seize, plunder, pillage, sack, loot, ransack, spoil, strip, pirate, maraud, swindle, peculate. I like that one. Should look that one up. Embezzle, sponge, rook, bilk, fleece, defraud. And the list goes on and on and on. There are, there are many different descriptions of thievery or stealing that you can read, but God takes this very seriously. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's very serious to God. And although in our society, you know, stealing is just something that we deal with on a daily basis, and it should not be named among the brethren, but is. At the end of the study, I'm going to give you kind of a laundry list of how even believers, either by omission or commission, are involved in this as well. And we just need to be aware of it. And so this study is really about that, you know, stealing. And uh, we, we just need to understand how serious it is. In fact, I want to start this evening before I pray just showing you this verse in 1 Corinthians 6. Now, you know that the Corinthian believers, the, the Corinth was probably the, the most uh, uh, corrupt uh, big city in the world. It was the crossroads to east and west. All the traveling salesmen came through Corinth. We were there on our recent tour. And uh, it, it's really interesting because it's a short little two-mile uh, stretch of land in between two large bodies of water that people would come and they would take the, their goods off one boat, put them on another boat at, on the, uh, the, the two-mile stretch of land. And so all these people were coming to do all this trading. Corinth was like a, 
just a, a cesspool of ideas and thievery and just nasty. And so Paul writes to the believers there. He calls them brothers, but they were wound up in all kinds of stuff. Notice this verse on the screen behind me. He says to the believers there, do you not know that unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't you understand that? And then he says, don't be deceived. And here's the list. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, there it is, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, none of those will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't you understand that, Christian? That's what he's saying to the believers. Why? Because the believers came, they were saved out of a corrupt society. And God does that work, as we're going to see in our study, God does the work to save us. He regenerates us. He gives us a new nature, a new heart to serve and to love and obey Him. But we have to exercise volition. We have to know the Word of God and, and, and fulfill the Word of God by living a holy life. There's liberty in that. God knows it. He gives us instruction. But I love this word here from Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 because it just helps you understand there's a serious command to be broken in the Old Testament, thou shalt not steal. Very serious command for you and I as new believers, New Testament believers. I've entitled this message, Keep Your Hands to Yourself. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into it this evening. Father, thank you for the word and these people that have come to hear. Thank you for putting a desire in their heart to learn and be instructed in your word. Lord, may we, as your sons and daughters, gain instruction so that we can do righteous things to please you. Lord, that's our desire. So help us tonight as we learn from your word this important commandment, number eight, thou shalt not steal. Teach us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you see it there in verse 15 of Exodus 20, you shall not steal. Now, it's reported, and you can look at many different facts, but 10 million acts of theft and robbery, over 10 million a year in America. And the cost of thievery or stealing is very high. The cost of goods and services, security, uh, 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 people in the malls, all that, they add to the cost of the goods and services that we buy. The IRS estimates that about $20 billion a year is lost to them just in underreporting income alone. But a staggering $40 billion a year are stolen by employees, not, not by thieves, by employees from their employers. Ten times more is stolen from American business by employees than is stolen in street crime. How? Well, by lying, the hours you work, by using company resources for personal business, by stealing supplies, abuse of expense accounts, and a whole laundry list of other ways. $350 billion a year is lost to business using sick days, and that goes for public employees too. Oh, I got sick days. I'm going to go you know, play hooky today or whatever. All of that results in the cost of goods and services going up. Now, I don't know about the accuracy of those numbers today. I mean, you can Google. It almost doesn't matter. I think we can all relate to the truth that there's a lot of thievery going on. I do believe that 
what we see as respectable stealing, which, you know, taking a paper clip or using something for your home or, or you know, the, the cheating on your hours or expense report, that kind of thing harms the whole community. Again, it's an epidemic in America today. So let's look at this Eighth Commandment and, and try to understand it a little bit more. I'm going to unpack it the best I can uh, by really focusing on Christians mainly, or believers mainly, and we're going to look at the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, because I think that'll help us really understand it. And then thirdly, at the end of the study, I'm going to give some contemporary application. So let's begin with stealing in the Old Testament. Again, verse 15, you shall not steal. Now, it doesn't say what not to steal there. What, so the first question is, what, what is he talking about? From whom or from what are we not? To steal, It doesn't say objects or anything, but God wants to really enforce this. I believe that the sentence is short and pithy for this reason, so that each and every one of us would grab onto it and understand, thou shalt not steal. He doesn't want us to steal anything. Don't steal anything from anyone at any time for any reason. That's, I think that's a pretty concise statement right there. Again, the Old Testament talks about the person that's put their faith in God, trusting in uh, the Lord. We are to trust his provision. When you trust the Lord, you trust his provision for you, so you don't take stuff that belongs to others, whether it's the business, the big business, or your neighbor, or your parent, or anyone else, because you're trusting God, and you're violating God's command by not trusting God and stealing somebody's stuff. So there's another way to look at, at this whole thing as well. You're really stealing not only against community or against a person, you're stealing against God because you're not trusting God to provide the stuff you need, right? I got to have that, so you steal it, and you're not trusting God. Here's a great illustration about Charles Finney, a, a great, great man that you should know about, a great American preacher actually went to Yale. The, the universities in America, the Ivy League schools even today, were started by Christians, and they were meant, if you read history, uh, you probably aren't told this, but if you go back and read about Yale, they actually have Bible verses on some of their walls there at that school. Uh, the people that came out, those universities were created to, to get preachers to go all throughout America. Hard to believe, isn't it? Yale. Charles Finney came from Yale, and this is a really interesting story about it. He preached a message once to his congregation called The Sin of Borrowing Things and Not Returning Them. Now, I don't know if it was because of people borrowing his stuff, which we found in the sermon. When you read his sermon, he said, I went to my tool shed yesterday. I found it practically empty. President Mahan had borrowed my plow and had sent it back. Professor Morgan had sent for my spade, and I haven't seen it since. Deacon Beecher had one of my wrenches so long, I can't remember what it looked like. What does it mean, he asked? It means that there are some among the best of us with careless, were very careless concerning our fundamental everyday obligations. The, the outcome of his sermon <laughs> was the next morning before dawn, he had a pile of tools at his back door. Very interesting. Neighbors trying to bring stuff back, his workhorse. They 
had to be rescued from his dog that was chasing people around in his backyard. The rest of the morning was a steady stream of neighbors bringing back borrowed tools. Now, <laughs> again, it's the time period in which this happened that makes it even more funny. But the theft in the Old Testament is what we're going to look at really quick. has to do with people as well as animals. There was slavery in the Old Testament, so it has to do with people and animals and property. But here's my point. Stealing men in Exodus 21, verse 16. Now, you can look there. I'd, I'd rather have you just kind of look there tonight. I'll have the verse behind me because we're so close to it, right? It's just a page away. Exodus 21, 16. This is concerning kidnapping. Notice Verse 16 of Exodus 21, he who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, shall surely be put, notice, to death. Wow, serious. Man stealing was punishable by death under Hebrew law. Secondly, we're looking at Old Testament law concerning stealing, right? Stealing animals, Exodus 22, verse 1. Go to chapter 22, look at verse 1. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. In other words, the law required restitution, but fourfold there for a sheep. Interesting. Indicating the value of the animal. The ox was a big animal dragging a plow. It was more valuable than a sheep, obviously, five or four. Thirdly, notice the punishment for a thief in chapter 22, verse 2. Look at verse 2. This is the punishment. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed because he does it in broad daylight. He should make full restitution if he has nothing. Then, there then he shall be sold for a theft. He'll be forfeit his freedom and become a slave. Verse 4, if the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it's an ox or a donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. So number one, notice God's law gave you the right as a homeowner to use lethal force if somebody came in. Remember, we talked about that last week in Thou Shall Not Murder. Um, God allowed lethal force. It's dark. You don't know who it is. They came to steal your stuff. If they die in your house, that's it's really secondary murder or manslaughter. You're not going to be held accountable in that way. That's fair. And interestingly, though, the punishment for a thief there, if you're caught and you have stuff in your hands, you've got to re, uh, pay restitution of that stuff or be sold as a slave. Then fourthly, notice responsibility for your actions, Exodus 22, 5. Look at verse 5. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed and lets loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the beast of his own field and best, be, and best the best of his own vineyard. If fire breaks out, verse 6, and catches in thorns so that stacked grain, standing grain, or the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. In other words, you're responsible for your carelessness. If you destroy someone else's property and it's your fault and it's obvious to everyone around, you lit the fire, hey kids, let's have a campfire. Let's roast some marshmallows right in somebody else's vineyard, you know, or, or around their stack of grain and it burns their stack of grain and you run psh, from the scene. 
but somebody saw you making marshmallows last night. You were responsible for destroying someone's property. Can you see the idea here? Stealing, taking someone else's property that isn't yours. Now let's jump forward to Leviticus. Go ahead and jump to Leviticus chapter 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 6, because we're going to read a little section here. We're looking at stealing in the Old Testament. What's the Old Testament have to do with stealing? Leviticus chapter 6, verse 2. If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping. So you've let somebody, you wanted him to watch your house, watch your car, watch your stuff for safekeeping. Or about a pledge, or about a robbery, or if he's extorted from his neighbor, or if he's found what was lost and lies concerning it, and swears falsely, I didn't, I, 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 I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I, I watched after it, and it's not here, and it's not my fault. In any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, verse 4, then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty that he shall restore what he has stolen, or the thing which has he has extorted or what was delivered to him for safekeeping or the lost thing which he found or all that about which he was sworn falsely. He shall restore, notice this, its full value and then add one-fifth more to it and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. So he had to also make a trespass offering because he ripped somebody off and then he had to add value to it if he found it again you know, I'm going to keep this for you, but I lost it. I lost it. I don't worry what. Well, you, now you have to find it, add value to it, and then make a sin offering because of it. I mean, God holds responsible those who devalue other people's property or steal. Verse 7, so the priest, oh, verse 6, and he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish of the flock with your valuation, a trespass offering to the priest, verse 7, so the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any one of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. So if you steal or fail to return an item, you had to pay restitution plus 20%. Restitution is really what the, the Old Testament has to say. And then finally, look at chapter 19, Leviticus 19. Leviticus chapter 19 Look at verse 13. You shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. Leviticus 19, verse 13. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. In other words, you're to pay someone that works for you. Okay, hey, come and help me paint my room. I'll give you $10. And then you paint the room, and, the, and it's late at night, and you go to bed, and don't pay him. You're, to, you're defrauding someone. You were to pay him rightly, right then, right now, right immediately, to, you're to pay him. So this would be really important to these people. Why? Because they were living hand to mouth, hand to mouth. They didn't have bank accounts. They didn't have credit cards. They didn't have 7-Eleven. There wasn't a place to get food. So I'm going to work with you, and then I expect to get paid that night so I can go out and buy something to eat, at least for the first thing in the morning. So this would have been a very important job, cheating a worker, holding a worker hostage, was wrong. You could, it's stealing. You're stealing from your employee if you didn't pay them correctly or pay them on time. So this eighth commandment, again, let's go back to Exodus. This eighth commandment forbids all kinds of stealing, animals, people, time, money. 
Um, all of those things. It includes all those things. So I, I just wanted you to see that uh, they're from the Old Testament. Robbery, burglary, kidnapping, theft, wrong, wrongful treatment of people. This commandment of thou shalt not steal requires that we respect our neighbor's life and their property, whether it's an animal or food or whatever it is that they have. Now, here, this is really interesting because it's this commandment that our founders in America used for laws that we still have today. But Pastor Lee, I, I was taught by my teacher, you know, 10 years ago and five years ago and last year and today that our founders were, were all ripoffs and, and deists and, well, you've been taught stuff that's not true. I, I mean, you, you read the history books before the last 20 years and you'll find out no, no, they're, they're human. They made mistakes. Yes, some were slave owners. Everybody was a slave owner back then. Not, that's not an excuse. It's a reality. And it was changed. That was changed, right? We went through this process where that was changed. Very inequitable, very wrong. It was sinful. But it was a man that turned the tide, sent a nation to war, Abraham Lincoln. We have founders in America that based our Judeo-Christian law and ethic on the Bible. People have personal property. You can't go into their house and take it. The police can't just say, open your trunk and show me what's in there. They can't do it without what? Probable what? Cause. They can't come into your house. Why? Because it's against an amendment that we have, a law that says the government can't, can't come and invade in your space. You, your space is your space. You have privacy. A lot of nations around the world, they don't have public or private property. They can't own anything. But in America, we can own property. You don't own the minerals under your house. If you have a house in San Bernardino, I've got a house in Crestline. You own everything on top of it. You don't own the water below it. You don't own the minerals below it. Just try. Just try to get those minerals. It just doesn't work. D dig a hole and try to suck the water out with a straw under your property and the MWD will be knocking on your door and suing you because they own that. But you own the property. You can grow some stuff on there. You can grow your grass or your whatever. It's your property. So the laws that we have in our, our nation came from many of these commandments. This is one of them. Now, it's clear in the Old Testament we saw stealing is against God's law. It provides for your safety. It provides for your stuff, your property to be kept by you against a community or a government or people that would come in and just take it from you. That's Old Testament, those laws we just looked at. Now, let's look at the New Testament principle here. My next point here is stealing in the New Testament. And I love this because when you look at the New Testament stealing, Jesus always adds. He adds clarity. He adds so much. Um, and the reason that Jesus adds to this important truth about not stealing is because when you come to Christ, when you're saved, you're changed, you're transformed. God's grace changes you. And stealing is in conflict with the new nature, the new man. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It just means there's conflict with that stealing, with that, that desire. I believe God gives you holy desires when you get saved. 
And the, the way you can tell the difference between an, a saved and an unsaved is the saved person feels really guilty when they do something wrong. I mean, that's me. Is that you? You just, it's like, I can't go to bed tonight because I do this. I got to confess this to Esther, you know. I have to call this person up that I wronged. I've done that before where I, I've gotten edgy. If somebody came up to me and said something, it was like, whatever, you know, get out of here. And then I go to bed and the Lord, the Holy Spirit, what now? I didn't mean to do that, Lord. You know my heart. I really didn't, but you did it. Okay, so, hey, I'm really sorry, sister. I'm really sorry. Have you ever had that happen to you? It's the Holy Spirit who's working in your life. And because you're a Christian, you know the difference. Uh, Christian seal, that's, that is a problem. But we have the Holy Spirit knocking on the, the door of our heart. But again, how does the New Testament apply this commandment, thou shalt not steal? It applies it in this main way. Stealing is a problem of the heart. It's a heart issue. It's a, a heart issue that that we have to deal with as believers, and we deal with it by being obedient. We have to be obedient to God. So I want to start in Matthew 19. Um, you can turn there, or you can see the verse I'm going to put up on the screen here, but you know this story, Matthew 19. It's the rich young ruler. I've been holy my whole life. I was raised in, in the synagogue. I, I had a great Jewish mom and dad. They, they were very moral people, he says, and Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler. He says, I've kept all the commandments. And he's referring to the 10 that, that we're studying right now in Exodus 20. I've kept them all. Which one of these commandments do I need to really make sure that I'm going to be saved forever, eternal life? That's his question. Here's the answer right here. He said to, to Jesus, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. Remember, this, this is the second tablet, not the first. Said the, the two different tablets of stone. The second tablet of stone deals with our relationship to man. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal, and you shall not bear witness. Those were Jesus' words. He basically is summarizing the second command or table of commandments. He says, keep these, and you can be a citizen of heaven. That's really what he was saying. Now, it's interesting that you would have someone that wanted that kind of detail for their life and asking Jesus the question, but Jesus answers so clearly. Maybe he was a murderer. Maybe he committed adultery and he was busted, you know, when Jesus read this list to him. But he says, if you want to be a kingdom citizen, you've got to keep these commandments Paul said a similar thing. Let me jump to Romans 13 now. Look at this verse behind me on the screen. For the commandments, referring to the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery, murder, steal, or bear fall witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, they're all, here's the term here, summed up. They're all summed up in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul connects all of these commands with loving your neighbor. If you really loved your neighbor... If you love God with all your heart and soul and you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to steal. If you really love God and your neighbor, you're not going to covet, commit adultery, or murder. You're not going to do that. If you really love God and you really love the people around you, Paul sees or views obedience to this command as part of the life-changing process, the transforming power of the gospel 
in the individual's life. I'm so grateful. That the theme of our conference at Costa Mesa this last couple of days was the power of the gospel. And we're getting messages on the power of the gospel. And really, it's very important to understand that. We're seeing that in Mark as we study on Sunday morning, the power of the gospel. The power of, of Jesus in the gospel really is what we're looking at. But the power of the gospel to transform people from, from the worst, we would say the guttermost. I could name names um, in, in our fellowship years ago. I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll allude to them, but I won't mention their names. But guys, a guy that confessed to me that he was a murderer, another guy that was a gangbanger that left a bunch of bloody heads on the street, others that committed crimes with, with gun, violent crimes with guns and knives, and, and, and yet they ushered in this church for many years. Those that the gospel, the power of the gospel changed them radically to serve the Lord and love their neighbor. It's, it's a wonderful thing, the power of the gospel. And that's really what, what happens. In the New Testament, our lives are changed, we're transformed. And it's the power of the gospel being regenerated by Jesus Christ's new life and transformation. Ephesians 4, look what it says here in Ephesians 4. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who is has a need. So Paul is now contrasting the difference in the way the, the person was before Christ. That used to be a thief, but now you're a believer, so don't steal anymore. And then work with your hands so that you can give to a person that used to steal because they had a need. Now you can help them out. That, that's the goal. That's the purpose there. And then Paul tells young, young, young Pastor Titus, to teach the believers in his church. Look at this verse. It's Titus 2, verse 9. Exhort the bondservants, or the believers, to be obedient to their own masters. In other words, don't rip off your employer. Be obedient to your master. To be well-pleasing in all things. Not answering back. I don't want to go out and wash your car. Hey, go, go out and wash my car. I don't want to do that. It's too hot. I mean, talking back to you, that's what... In this case, it wouldn't have been a car, maybe the chariot, but you get the idea. He says, don't steal, don't, no, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. So he's saying to the, the Christian slaves, they're believers, they're, they were slaves in this Roman culture. And they grew up as slaves, and they had a master, and then they got saved, and Paul says, okay, go back and be an awesome Servant to your master. Work hard. Be a testimony of your conversion. Be obedient to the word because it's going to speak and give the glory to God. The life change that's happened in you is going to be seen in your master. That's what Titus was to teach the believers. And then Peter says the same thing. Here it is, 1 Peter but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. He's talking to Christians. He said, you guys got to knock it off. Don't, don't let anyone name these things among you, being a thief, obviously. So the New Testament, it expects a change in the believer regarding stealing because we've been transformed. We have a new nature as Christians. 
But I love this, and I want to move kind of into this area too tonight, the believer's restitution. Restitution. We've already read about it in the Old Testament. So if you're a thief, if you have a former past, how do you deal with that? Apart from just asking Jesus to forgive you, which you are forgiven, but maybe you really stole a lot of stuff. Maybe your garage is filled with tools. Wouldn't be Pastor Lee's tools, but maybe your neighbor's tools. Maybe, you know, maybe there's things that you did in your past that you could... I, I love this here. If you've stolen from a business, if you've stolen personal property, basically the, the law is that you're to return that property. In the New Testament, the best example of that is the man Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the wee little man, we sang about him in Sunday school. He's so short that the throngs of people around Jesus, the, the people are all around Jesus, he can't see him. He's jumping up and down. He can't see. So he runs in front of the trail, climbs up a sycamore tree, and looks down so he can get a view of Jesus, the master, Zacchaeus. It's in Luke 19, verse 8. Notice this verse here. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, he, he, he's converted. Zacchaeus, actually, Jesus looks up in the tree. He goes, I'm coming to your house, right in front of the Pharisees, much to their chagrin. But, but again, salvation comes to Zacchaeus, and here's his response here on the screen. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I'm going to restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, This is proof of your salvation. Today, salvation has come to your house. I mean, Zacchaeus, he didn't even blink an eye. His life was changed. He goes, man, I'm, I'm going to repay everybody. I was a thief. I stole from everybody. But my life's been so changed, I'm going to give it all back. That's what he's saying. Four times what he had taken. Now, let me just say this about our current criminal justice system, and I think you all understand it. What we do in our current system, and the reason it doesn't work, the reason that you send somebody to prison and they come back out and they do the same thing, right? It's called revisitism. How, how do you say that? You, you know what I'm saying, right? They come back and they do the same crime. And the reason they do it is because you put them in, in prison. They can't do restitution. They're pulled out of society um, and they're put in a place where they can't make money and pay back restitution. So we isolate those people from they didn't used to do it. Quakers didn't do it. In the founding of this country, they didn't do it. If you were caught doing something, you know what they do? They put you in stocks in the city square and let everybody throw tomatoes at your face. I, I don't know if they did that, but that's... But you, were, you, you weren't... There weren't any prisons in the Old Testament. There weren't any prisons. If you were that bad, they stoned you and killed you. You were dead. But if you did something, you stole from somebody, they left you in society so you could pay back that person, like Zacchaeus, fourfold. It's really a, a, a bit much better way. There's been some sheriffs, uh, local sheriffs in Arizona. I can't remember. What was that guy's name in Arizona? He was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A pyro, a pero, or And, and he, would, he would have the guys, you know, instead of in an air-conditioned, you put them in a tent in the desert, you know, it's 120 degrees. Listen, you're prisoner. You're going to suffer because you made somebody else suffer. And then you like the chain gang idea, make them work. I think it's a great idea because they're not going to want to go back to that prison. That's why they're in California. They left Arizona. They're here. They're in our prisons, air conditioned, you know, and they have their 
all their TVs and stuff. But in Jesus' day, they didn't incarcerate the offender. That's really my point here. They uh, made him pay back their debt in a public way, which really is the right way to do it. It enabled the offender to make his wrong right with the person he offended, repaying the, the victim of the crime. It's really brilliant because both the offender and the offended could live together and there would be a, a, a more wholesome joining together of the guys in society and everybody knows it. He's a thief. The guy next door is a thief, but he's made restitution and everybody's watching him now. When he comes down the street, everybody's watching. Watch your, hold your kids, watch the potatoes. But he's in the society, see, and that would hold him accountable, right? We take people out of society, and then we thrust them back in society. You know, the, the, the guys that get out of prison, it's really sad. They give, them, they give them some money. I think they give them like $100. They tell them where to go, put them on a bus, $200. Thank you. Do I hear three? <laughs> they give them a couple hundred bucks, and they put them on a bus, and then they send them back to where they were um, actually convicted. So if they were convicted in San Bernardino, they put them on a bus, they show up down here in San Bernardino with $200. So if they need food three days after the $200 is gone, what do you think they're going to do? And it happens all the time. And, and they go back into the pokey. Is that what they call it? The pokey. I'm looking at my brother because he tells me all about this stuff. It's really, it's, it's, there's no dignity. There's really no justice in that. But there's justice in this system. Do you see it? I, I love reading about these things in the Old Testament. So restitution was corrective. And very interesting how they did it all. The crime of stealing, you had to pay back fourfold. Well, Zacchaeus did, but 20% if you, if you stole something or took something that wasn't yours. For the believer who's caught stealing, this is what Paul says in Ephesians 4. Look at this verse. Let him who stole, you, I've shown it to you first, steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands. So you're, 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 the believer is told, warned by Paul, the letter was circulated to the churches, the early churches. Paul says, don't steal. So that word would have been preached. It would have been heralded to the people in the churches. So the true Christian will, number one, is going to turn away from theft because they have the new nature. Number two, they're going to work with their hands so they have something to give someone in need, someone that has, has a, a need. I love that. When the Christian does that, it brings glory to God. The change in their life, it brings glory to God in their family, with their neighbor. It works. It's, a, it's, a, it's the right system. But it's that work ethic that we're seeing in the New Testament. Paul teaches how important it is to work with your hands. He says this to the Thessalonian believers, 1 Thessalonians 4, here it is, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, Christian, to mind your own business, Christian, and to work with your own hands, just as Paul commanded. Remember, Paul was a tent maker. He never took money from anybody. Paul always worked and made his own way. He's a, he's a model, a giant of a Christian, but commanding that you work. And then he, he goes on to say, if you won't work, Christian, then you won't do what? You won't eat. So, Christian that's been radically changed by the power of God. If he was a thief before, now he's, he's told to repay restitution. 
And that repaying of restitution would bring glory to God. And so it's a win-win in all people's lives, in society, in his, in the church, and all for the glory of God. Paul tells Pastor Titus again that it's salvation that radically changes the believer. And I love this verse here. We had, when I was growing up uh, in the children's ministry, I, I used to sing this. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but the power of the blood who has saved. And then we do shooby do what? Do you remember that song? Anybody? Frank remembers. Uh, this is the verse here, not by works of righteousness that we've done. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of who? The Holy Spirit. See, that, that's how you go from thief to convicted of my past and living a holy life to the glory of God. That's how you do it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, the transforming power of the gospel, the inward work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer that helps them on their day-to-day walk with the Lord. I love that. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's how this thief changes. The Holy Spirit washes. The Holy Spirit renews. And again, the result is living a righteous or holy life. So now let's quickly look at ways people steal. I'm going to wrap this up in this way. Ways people steal. Because I think sometimes we think that stealing is just those people that break into somebody's house and run off with their rake or their, their iPhone, whatever your valuable thing is in your house. But stealing happens in a variety of ways. Let me give you a variety real quick. Overt theft is my first one, overt theft. That would be breaking into somebody's house, writing a bad check, because you, you don't have the money, to, so you write it. You don't have the money. That's overt Theft, you're th- stealing from somebody when you do that. Using a stolen credit card, shoplifting. If you're a student, if you don't have any money, you know, you've got a mom and dad, but if you're a student, looking over your neighbor's shoulder for the test answers and then writing their answer because you know that they're an A student, that's, you're, th- you're stealing, right? That's overt theft. You're stealing from somebody. You're not trusting the Lord. Then there's covert theft. So you have overt theft and now covert or hidden theft, things like underreporting your income, making false or inflated insurance claims so you can get more of your car repaired, even though that happened last year, that part of your car. Well, I thought we were supposed to do that. I thought, no, that's, that is covert theft. You're st- actually stealing Using copyrighted material inappropriately, that's, we don't see that as much, or false uh, claims, as I've said. And then there's fraud. Fraud is when you cheat someone else, another person, fraud. You run a scam and you bilk somebody out of some money, pyramid schemes and those kinds of things. Or just agreeing to do something. Somebody asks you to do something, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for free. I'll come in. Do whatever it is, mow your grass, and then you don't do it. Again, that's fraud. Jesus said this. He said, count the cost before you say something. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. So as Christians, we're supposed to count the cost. And we're supposed to be honest with our yes and with our no. Otherwise, it's fraud. Fraud is also borrowing money you don't intend to pay back. 
Then there's work-related, my next one, work-related theft, making personal calls or texting on company time. <gasps> but everybody does that. I didn't, if everyone does it, does that make it right? I'm just saying. We need to be careful that we're not ripping off our employer. Maybe your employer allows you so many minutes a day to text. I'm not sure, but maybe, maybe you work in a place like that. I doubt it, but how about taking office supplies home? Oh, there's a whole case of bathroom tissue, and I don't want to go to the store, so I'm going to take a couple of rolls, put them in your purse, and you go home. I mean, it sounds elementary, but that happens. Two, just one pencil, just one little thing, and it just happens over and over and over again. Pretty soon, the total pilfering from the company with you and the other 200 employees becomes a lot of money for that company. I'm just saying here, work-related theft, abusing an expense account or embezzlement, taking money from the company, selling something and not recording the sale. I was working at Bonds one day, and we had loss prevention, and these guys would come in the store, and they would go behind the little glass. And if you go in a store and you, you see the little glass mirrors, there's people up there, just saying. I used to go up there for fun in my lunch hour and just watch people watch people walk by and do the weirdest things but we had a couple of checkers once and the the the, the it just seemed like from like nine till closing that the receipts just didn't match up and so they had this loss prevention watching and there were checkers uh, friends would come in at nine and they would you know three items would go by without scanning and then beep and then four or five other items would go over the scanner and beep they were stealing. They were stealing for their friend. Maybe it was their, their mom they were doing it for. I, I can't remember. There were two girls that got busted for doing that, two checkers. This was way, 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 way back in when I worked at Bonds. But um, it's stealing. Simple guidelines. Here they are. Pastor Lee, I, I feel guilty, but if you've crossed the line, here's some simple guidelines. If you would be arrested or fined for what you're doing, it's stealing. I mean, think about it. If you're doing something you don't want another person to know about, it could be stealing. If you would be upset if someone did it to you, it could be stealing. If you find yourself justifying your behavior, making excuses, it probably is stealing. So what should you do? What should any of us do if we violated this commandment tonight? Number one, we run to Jesus, right? We confess our sin. We run right to the cross of Calvary, and there we find a Savior who's paid the price for our sin. I so love that. I love that. If you're a Christian and you've crossed the line, just confess your, I mean, seriously, go and confess. If you feel guilty, you should go and confess your sin uh, to the Lord. And then, if possible, here it is. We saw in the old, we saw in the new. We saw with Zacchaeus, what did he do? He paid back fourfold. We saw in the Old Testament they were required to 20%. So restitution, if possible. Might not be possible. I remember when I was a little kid, I went into, I hate saying this, my child's in the room. I went into a, a store, a grocery store with a friend of mine, and he stole stuff, and I was with him. And I was the, I was the man. He gave it to him, and we walked it. He would steal it, and he would give it to me. I put it in my pocket, and we walked out. It just happened once. And I felt so guilty. Man, I owe. It was Vaughn's, too. I went to work for them later. It was, it was just a little plastic toy. 
I used to go, and my dad worked at Staters, and I'd go in there, and it was my dad's store, so I'd go get some Lifesavers and go outside and eat Lifesavers. Until the, one of the box boys said, you know, did you pay for that? <laughs> I'm sitting on the little rocking horse out in front of the store. It was my dad's store. I was five, you know. So my mom had to pay for that, and when I got home, I got the backside of the strap. So I only did that once, I think, too, but restitution or the cross. Believer, we need to go to the cross. Thou shalt not steal or keep your hands to yourself. Amen? Father, thank you for the word tonight. I just pray, Father, that, that uh, we, as your children, would please you in what we do. Help us to understand that stealing, first of all, offends you. You've commanded us not to steal. Stealing really is, is a way in saying that you're not providing for us. So it's wrong on so many fronts. I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us. I pray, Father, that you would help us individually as we consider this truth. And Lord, I'm so grateful that your word says if we confess our sin, you're, Lord Jesus, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we, we come to you tonight with our guilt, with our shame, and we, we lay it at the foot of the cross. Lord, forgive us and help us as your sons and daughters to be upright. Help us, Lord, not to steal to take things that are, and, and really respect the property of others. And we'll give you thanks, and we'll give you praise in Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together.